Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's the greatest sale in history at Ashley Home Store. Shop early for Black Friday deals you won't find anywhere else. Save up to 50% on styles you'll love. Or shop our biggest doorbuster deals like fabulous beds, cozy sofas, and great recliners. Or get five years no interest, no money down, no minimum purchase on Black Friday deals starting at just $4.49. And don't forget about our unbelievable smart buys. Hurry in for Black Friday deals while supplies last. Only at Ashley Home Store. This is home. Offer subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payment required. See store for details. Seven things you love that are banned by the Bible. Jesus, this book is a downer. This is the Body of Christ Church, inviting you to our virtual living room, where we discuss today's issues and how those issues relate to the Holy Scriptures. So sit back, relax, and engage in conversation with us. afternoon and the most high in the name of Christ bless you. I am Josiah and welcome to our virtual living room where we examine recent events and other topics as they pertain to the Holy Scriptures. We give all praises to the most high in Christ and we give thanks for God's generous mercy, grace, and forgiveness. This week we're going to discuss a YouTube video. The video is titled seven things you love that are banned from the Bible. And amongst those seven things are some things that maybe many of us uh, won't find so surprising, but then there are a few that they cited that uh, I think you will be surprised with. For example, comedians banned from the Bible. So joining me, with, with, joining me today in the virtual living room to go over these particular, this list of seven things, I have first off our brother Kazakia. Hey, shalom to the brothers on the panel, as well as the hosts. Shalom to the listening, to the listening audience, giving all praise to the Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Good to be back, and definitely look forward to investigating these, uh, these things, these concepts, and really giving the edification and understanding out of the Scriptures. All right, I also have with us our brother Kabar. Sisters, it's good to once again be with the listening audience. And the panel, and as always, giving all praise, honor, and glory to the Most High, and the nimble sister in Christ for another opportunity to bring forth His Word. All right, and last but not least, we also have our brother Abijah with us. Yeah, as always, we give all praises and thanks to the Heavenly Father in Christ for another opportunity to uh, preach His Holy Word, and we pray that all of our listeners be edified. Well, brothers, I, I know that you have reviewed the video and uh, you're prepared to expound on these things. Uh, so I, I won't get into a whole lot of uh, backstory in order to say what it is. I'll just kind of go down the list real quick so the audience know what we're going to get into today. Uh, the first one on the list, the first thing that's banned from the Bible is bacon. Number two, football. Number three, T-shirts. Number four, gossip. Number five, T 
tattoos. Number six, comedians. And believe it or not, number seven, and I, I'm going to love to hear you brothers talk about this one. Number seven is sex. So without any further ado, I want to play a clip that um, cites the, the premise for the, the, the co-host on this video to actually uh, publish this whole thing about the seven things that are banned from the Bible. Here we go. Very often in American politics, you see people, uh, strong Christians, who are telling people on the other side what they should and should not be doing with their lives, with their bodies, and talking about this thing is banned in the Bible, and it says that this is an abomination in the Bible. So we're going to set up a little test for those people. Here are seven things that we think they love that are banned in the Bible. And until they get all seven of these things out of their life, I don't want to hear about their dogmas, okay? Okay, Kazaki, you hear it. Uh, they're, they're talking about people that are telling other people what to do. Politicians, is, I think is what they said. And they're uh, pointing to things in the Bible to tell other folks what not to do. And I think largely what people do uh, these days is they point to folks that are saying uh, homosexuality is a sin. And then when you do that, then they open the Bible up and say, well, are you doing this thing and that thing and the other thing? So is, is that uh, a, a proper position to take uh, on either side, whether you're the person that's telling someone to do things or if you're the person that's listening to someone who's pointing to the Bible and telling you not to do things? What, what does the Scripture say about that? First and foremost, let's look into the Scriptures. Let's look at the example, because I have two Scriptures that I would like to uh, bring to the forefront. But Let's look at the example of Jesus Christ. Because when you read the book of Matthew, chapter five, and it tells you, uh, I'm going, I'm going straight to the point. Uh, I'm starting at verse fourteen, where it says, where Christ says, "Excuse me, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and they give light unto all that are in the house. Let your lights." So shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So the reason why that scripture came to mind first is because listening to the video and the position that both the young man and the young uh, woman was taking, and also answering your question, it's easy to open up uh, the Bible to said chapter or said verse and then point the finger in a in, 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 in an accusatory fashion and say you shouldn't do this or this is wrong or you're not supposed to do this. And, uh, of course, uh, the, the famous one, you're going to hell. But Christ is telling us here that we're supposed to be examples. We're supposed to be examples of his teachings. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be examples of how Christ lived. Now, did Christ walk around pointing his finger and saying, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad, and that's bad? Or did Christ deal with the people and teach them and correct them out of love in, in, in the spirit of this is how you truly supposed to serve the Heavenly Father, and this is this is truly what this means to walk and 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 follow his uh, follow his commandments. So choose. Uh, on top of that, I also would like to read uh, Proverbs chapter four and verse seven. It says, "Wisdom is the principal thing; therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding." Now, the reason why this comes to mind is because when you, when you listen to these seven things that are banned in the Bible 
and good gracious, they narrowed it down to just seven. Nonetheless, when you listen to these seven, seven things that are banned in the Bible and, and, and how they're being used and in, in the context they're being uh, used in, for, for persons who dedicate some time and some, and, and some effort to, to prayer and fasting and study, and of course, above and beyond application, it may come across as, wait a minute, you know? So, and that's the reason why I read this scripture about getting wisdom and get understanding, because when you listen to how they explain some of these things and, and how they try to, 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 to relay it, it tells me when I hear it, that there's not a lot of being, not a lot of, not a lot, excuse me, of understanding being displayed and these things that are being brought to the forefront as things that are banned in the Bible. Okay. All right. Thank you for that, brother. Uh, Abaja and Kabar, you brothers have anything that you want to add to that? Kabar, you go ahead. <laughs> I, I got a little something later. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Well, basically, Josiah, you know, I'm going to key in on one of the words that he said about leave your dogma behind in, in so many words. Or don't lecture me with your dogma. When you use that word, okay, basically dogma is basically an official system of principles or tenets concerning faith, morals, behavior, etc. And the example that's commonly used is that of a church, okay? Or you could say what a doctrine that an uh, organization adheres to or teachings or a set of beliefs or even a philosophy. But when you look at what... Jesus Christ was always dealing with He was always dealing with The commandments of the Heavenly Father Okay He wasn't dealing with Christianity as we know it today And for anyone that's worth their You know Their, their weight in gold in a sense They understand that The so called Christianity that we know today Is nothing like The, the follow, What the followers of Christ were dealing with As a matter of fact I want to go to Acts chapter 11 And verse 26 real quick just briefly, because, you know, people are like, well, Christianity is a made-up religion, and, you know, when they brought in under the rule of Constantine, they uh, combined all of the uh, paganistic beliefs and brought it into the Christian church, they're, they're actually right. But let's look at Acts chapter 11 and verse 26. Okay. It says, and when he had found... And this is, I think, this is uh, talking about uh, <clears throat> uh, about the disciples here. It says, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church, and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So, you seeing that they were called Christians, and you have to understand when you look at that in its context, Christians here simply means a follower of Jesus Christ. Because the thing is, is that when you look throughout the Old Testament, a lot of people forget, you know, that at the time, the letters of Paul hadn't been written yet. The Gospels had already, you know, as far as the history and the acts that had taken place, yeah, that had taken place, but we didn't have the New Testament, quote, unquote, as it, as it exists today. So right. what do you think they were teaching from? They were teaching from the Old Testament, because it tells you about how Paul was reasoning with the people on Mars Hill out of the Scriptures. So it was going into how Jesus Christ fulfilled that prophecy, and he was the one that had the preeminence. That's why they were called Christians, not the stuff and the dogma, as he said, that we that people are dealing with today. 
Okay, and we're going to get a little bit further into some of those things uh, later in the show. But I just wanted to okay. make that clear. You know, as far as the dogma goes, he's absolutely right. No, we don't deal with the dogma of, of modern-day Christianity. We deal strictly with the commandments through the example of Jesus Christ and repentance because that's what the Lord preached to the people. All right, Roger, thank you for that. Well, we're going one to go ahead thing. and move. Oh, you got something to Yeah, just real quick, one other thing that I hit on when you played it earlier, you know, when she mentioned certain things that, you know, maybe uh, that the Bible bans, and, and of course they're saying that with a lack of understanding, but the guy, you know, mentions, oh, this book is a downer. So it just goes to show you people's complete ignorance and what, what's actually written in the Bible. When you go to Leviticus chapter 18 and verse 5, it tells you, it says, ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. So the, the, the scriptures, the Bible, the commandments of the Most High aren't a downer, but they are actually a, 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 a guideline so that we'll be able to discern between good and evil and make the right decisions and live a, a good and righteous life. You know what I mean? It's just that because people don't want to apply righteousness, it is a downer to them. So, you know, just making that distinction according to the scriptures. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, brother, for uh, making that distinction. So let's go ahead and move into number one. At the top of the list is bacon. And here's their clip on bacon. Number one is bacon, and almost everyone watching this video is a violator of this part of the Bible. It says, and the pig, though it has a divided hoof, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. You must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. Thank you, Leviticus. Yes, yes now bear in mind, they do have a divided hoof, but they do not chew the cud. So you can't <laughs> chew on them. I think this is really interesting because I think this is one of the people will be like, oh, well, that's really outdated because now we know mm -hmm. how to clean our meat or whatever. But, yes, the, the Bible is outdated. That's why mm -hmm. we can change things and do yeah. things that aren't necessarily in it or we're prohibited by it. Yeah. yeah, that's the point. Now, with this specifically, with some of the dietary stuff, I understand there are multiple communities that, that don't want to eat it sort of for cultural reasons yeah. or cultural reasons that used to be religious reasons. Mm -hmm. That's totally fine, right. but understand that the Bible does say you're not supposed to eat bacon. Right. Yeah. I don't eat bacon for religious or reasons. Or ham. Yeah, yeah exactly. True. And I don't eat it more than once or twice a day <laughs> for personal reasons, <laughs> dietary reasons. <laughs> okay, uh, brothers, they seem to be saying that um, the, the Bible was pointed to that you're not supposed to eat pork because, you know, any, any animals you eat, they're supposed to chew a cut and a split a hoof, and the pigs don't chew a cut. So they understand that, but they're pointing to the Bible's outdated and they say that, you know, now we know how to clean meat and so forth and make it healthy to eat. But they will respect people who don't want to eat pork for their own reasons, which happen to be like a dietary reason or something like that. Or maybe there's some type of traditional custom of from your community is the reason why you don't uh, eat pork. So, uh, it, you know, let's, let's go with that first thing about the uh, Bible being outdated. Um, anybody want to tackle that one? Let's go to John. Yeah, when you go to John, 1 John, chapter 1. Uh, let's go to 1 John, chapter 2. I'm hearing the echo. But 1 John, chapter 2, verse 15, 
you know, people like to say the Bible was outdated, but based on what? I mean, what, what is, how is the Bible out, outdated? Because there's other scriptures that tell you that. Well, I, I just read it right here. First uh, John 2, 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the Father is not in him. So we see these people making light of what the scriptures say, but it's a very serious situation and offense if you are choosing things of the world and carnal things rather than the things of the scriptures and spiritual things. Verse 6, verse 16. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So when you look at it in the sense of ham, bacon, things like that, things that are prohibited according to the dietary laws of partaking, it shows us that if, if our lust, whether it be for any unclean things or any other Sin, according to the scriptures, if our love for that thing is greater than our love for the for the Most High, it's showing that we're putting that thing above the Heavenly Father and making it an idol and worshiping that rather than worshiping the Lord. But here's the point of verse 17. It says, "And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever." So it's showing you that the world is going to pass away, and all of those carnal things that people get into. But the Heavenly Father and the word that he established, that's going to live on. So how is it outdated? This is a future prophecy yet to be fulfilled. So it's showing you the word is indeed not outdated, but still stands today. And even after all of these things that they're talking about, whether it be on their YouTube, whether it be people uh, bashing and and, and uh uh, the statement of Bible and things like that All of that's going to pass away And these commandments are still going to be here And they're still going to be applied 10,000 years after these people Have been destroyed And forever I think your site may have muted himself Hello mm-hmm. Okay, uh, my apologies there. Uh, we had some uh, technical issues. Uh, I think, though, that we're probably a little bit better off now than we were before because I think there were some complaints. There was an echo. Uh, so, uh, brothers, you tell me, do you hear the echo? Not no. at all. Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. So I think uh, before the, uh, the trouble was recognized, um, we were talking about uh, bacon, and uh, we were – Talking about had it been cleaned up, uh, you know, we, do we this this whole notion about, um, you know, in, in centuries ago or years and decades ago, that we didn't have the type of devices like refrigeration and so forth to keep meat from spoiling and didn't understand how to feed animals properly so the meat would be uh, clean and suitable for human consumption. So, does that make a difference when it comes down to the scripture? In uh, Leviticus regarding uh, The animals that you can eat 
no, no, that does not make a difference. Take that. That that does not make a difference. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter what, how technically advanced the society that we live in, or or the the, the, the modern advances or the steps made in progression in the forms of uh, of uh, 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 curing your meats and cleaning your meats. The Lord God Almighty in the Bible said that you're not supposed to eat it. Now, certain foods that you're not supposed to eat, such as the such as the swine, and uh, and there are other of animals out there the Lord uh, has strictly prohibited us from eating. And it doesn't matter how long ago that the Bible was written, those rules, uh, those, those, those guidelines, those commandments, they still apply. Now, before, the, uh, before we encounter the technical, dif- the, the technical difficulties that we did encounter, uh, uh, we, we were expounding on uh, the comment that, that the young lady made, whether the Bible was outdated or not. And, and I would like to read uh, a scripture or two in reference to the comment that the young lady stated that, yes, the, when she stated her position, that the Bible was outdated. So uh, in the words of Jesus Christ, let's read Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. And it says, uh, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle, shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Verse 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoso, excuse me, but whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So, as far as addressing her, 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 her comment about the Bible being outdated, no, the Bible is not outdated. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ himself told us that he wasn't coming to destroy anything that was already established in the Scriptures. He wasn't coming to change anything that was established in the Scriptures. He was coming to fulfill. And the things that were fulfilled in reference to him were the prophecies that were written of Christ when you read the book of Luke, chapter 24, and uh, verses 44 downward. So either they have been fulfilled by Christ or they will be fulfilled by Christ when he, when he returns. But is the Bible outdated? No, it is not. And for that, I also would like to read First Peter, chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 24. But the point is in verse 25. For all flesh is grass and all the glory of man as the flower, excuse me, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. So man and his society and all his glory, that, that comes and goes. But the word of the Heavenly Father, the commandments the teachings of Jesus Christ and how we're supposed to apply it to our lives as men, women, and teach these things to our children, that stays. That's the constant. That's the consistency. And, and like the scripture says, it abideth forever. So it doesn't matter what decade, what time period that you're in. These scriptures, the Bible, the commandments, the teaching of Jesus Christ, those are the mainstays. Those are the constants. And those are the things that we're supposed to be uh, striving to apply and cling to. Okay. Also, uh, that, mm-hmm. 
Go ahead, bro. Yeah. Also, you know, a lot of times people like to say that was changed in the New Testament, but we can go to the New Testament and see if that's true. First Timothy chapter four, verses four and five, it tells you, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. So it just goes to show you. It just goes to show you that in the beginning, when the Most High created, you read in Genesis, all the creatures, the you know the pig was one of them. You know what I mean? That creature was there. So it just mm-hmm. goes to show you. The, it's not like the pig doesn't have a role, even on the farm. The pig has a role. God is just telling you, you're not supposed to eat the thing. So it says, every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused. Now here's the qualifier: if it be received with thanksgiving. Now the next verse is going to clarify what that is. Verse five: for it is sanctified, meaning cleansed by the word of God and prayer. Now, how is it sanctified by the word of God? Meaning. Uh, set aside or cleansed or purified. Well, when you go to Leviticus chapter 11 that they read from, it tells you in that last verse, it makes a difference between the clean and the unclean and the things that may be eaten and the things that may not be eaten. That's why it says if, every creature is good, if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. We're supposed to receive all things with uh, uh, thanksgiving, meaning like the scripture says, pray without ceasing. So whether it be over our food, whether it be over our affairs, no matter what it is, we also, we always give it thanks and praise and ask for guidance from the Heavenly Father. But it is the word of the Lord that sanctifies and makes a distinction between good and evil, clean and unclean, that verse 5 tells us. So Christ never changed that in the New Testament. And Josiah? I yeah, want to take that a step further because I'm, I'm glad that the brother went to First Timothy, the fourth chapter, um, because you know I'm looking at some of the comments under the video, you know, in reference to you know bacon or pork and things that are so-called where people feel that is outdated. You have certain Christians that that adhere to that that belief because of the dogma again that they they follow. But, right. You know when. Because one of the common places, that's one of the common places that they will go to scripture that the brother just read in First Timothy, the fourth chapter, basically saying that you can pray over it and eat it. And, you know, Kabar clearly explained what that was going into. But another place that they like to go to basically show, quote unquote, or think that they're proving that, you know, you can pray over anything. Uh, the Most High uh, God have, has cleansed all of these foods is Acts, the 10th chapter. And when you read through, for those that are not familiar, when you read through Acts the 10th chapter, you know, it goes through the whole thing where Peter was sitting on the rooftop at the sixth hour to pray. And this great sheet that was knitted to four corners, and it tells you specifically that it was uh, filled with basically all manner of four-footed beasts, fowls, and creeping things. So that means that it was filled with clean, both clean and unclean animals and things that we're not supposed to consume. And Peter goes through the whole entire thing because people will stop at a particular verse and be like, see, it says what God has cleansed, call that thou common or unclean. But if they continue to read further down, they find out that when you read that whole chapter in its context, that it had absolutely nothing to do with food, but had more so to do with the fulfilling of the prophecy that you read of in many places in the Old Testament about the scattered of Israel that were living as quote unquote Gentiles of the other nations being brought back into the fold under Jesus Christ. And, to further go into that, I'm going to read briefly Acts the 11th chapter, where Peter recounts that vision to the other disciples. 
This is Acts chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest into men uncircumcised, and didst eat with them. And to really get the context of that, you read back in Acts the 10th chapter about how in verse 28, and I'm going to read that at the end, how basically those of our people that knew that they were Israel and that were keeping the law of sacrifice and the Levitical priesthood and the things that pertain to it, they didn't deal with the other the ones of our people that were scattered that didn't follow those doctrines. <clears throat> but let's read on. It says in verse 4, it says, But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, a certain vessel descended, as it had been a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came even unto me, excuse me, even to me, upon the which when I had fastened my eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, but nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. Why did he say that? Because he observed the dietary laws that was given to us. Verse 9, But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou uncommon. And this is where people stop, but let's continue to read on. He says, And this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. And behold, immediately there were three men already come unto me, excuse me, come unto the house where I was sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. So he goes on to explain that the reason why that blanket went up and down three times was because it was representative of the three men that were sent to him from Cornelius. And let's just real quick, Josiah, I'm going to go back and ask the 10th chapter mm-hmm. to further prove the point because the scriptures proves itself. When that event was going on, when he basically was talking about the men, Acts 10 and 28, it says, And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So that vision had absolutely nothing to do with saying that God has cleansed all of these foods for us to eat and we can eat any and everything that we want to. It had to do with the gospel being preached to the scattered of Israel that were living amongst the other nations. So I just wanted to make sure that we went into that. Well, brothers, I think you've sliced, cut right through the bacon with the word of God. <laughs> so let's go ahead and move on to football, uh, which uh, to me is a real surprise because uh, I, I know the word of football is not mentioned anywhere in the scriptures. So let's find out what they're talking about. Also, football which is often, often combined in American culture with bacon. Uh, <laughs> six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and, uh, and holy convocation. Mm. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. Thank you again, Leviticus. So it's all those Sunday football. Mm, going to hell. Now, like if you are not trying very hard and if you're not being compensated for your football skills, then yes, you can just do it for <laughs> recreational purposes. But if you're really like trying and you're getting a paycheck, that's work. And you're going to burn. Well, yeah, all those professional football players who, like, at the end, like, when they get a touchdown, like, thank God. It's like, he's pissed that you're playing on the Sabbath. He's like, tut, tut. (laughs) Going to hell. Okay. So what they're pointing to about football 
are these players that are getting paid to play football? And what she's pointing out is, is uh, God is pissed that they're playing on the Sabbath. So, brothers, help help us out with this. You know, these these players that are playing football on Sunday, which is what she she mentioned on Sunday. You know, is that a sin? Kazakia, could you could you help me with that one? Well, first and foremost, before we get into the notion of you know sports being played on Sabbath, things of that nature, let's let's just interject one small correction, and that correction is. The Sabbath is not on Sunday. I, I, I don't, and the reason why I say that with such, uh, with, with such force is because of the fact that we've got these quote-unquote Christians that will, that will swear up and down that Sunday is the first day of the week. Okay, well, by all means, the Scripture says excuse me, that Sunday is the Sabbath day of the Lord, which is, which, coincidentally speaking, Sunday is the first day of the week. So the Scripture says to prove all things. So please prove out of the Scriptures where the Lord changed his holy day, his day of rest and relaxation from the last day of the week to the first day of the week. Now, let's look at the scriptures and what they say. Uh, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So, the overall point being, here again, for, for the sake of emphasis, before you start to get into, okay, you know, persons who play football and, and they get the paycheck, on Sundays, they, they, you know, they're going off, they're going to hell, or that'd be the case. You might as well go ahead and include basketball or whatever sports, uh, whatever sports or recreational sport that you can think of uh, in that equation. But the Sabbath day is not on Sunday. It is, has been, and will always be the last day of the week, the seventh day of the week, which is Saturday. Okay, about your, so Kozaki has brought out that the uh, Sabbath day is not Sunday. It is indeed Saturday. So, but you have these NFL players um, that are playing football on Sunday. Is there any problem with them playing football on Sunday? Well, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's not a matter of them, you know, playing football on Sunday. It's just that, you know, as Zach stated earlier, that when we look at the Sabbath day, according to the Bible, that's from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. It's the seventh day of the week. That has never changed. So what people do on Sunday, as long as it's not contrary to the scriptures, um, you know, that's their business. And playing playing uh, certain sports or whatever, that's that's not really an issue. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, so so uh, uh, Kabar, if someone, which we do have people playing football on Saturday. Sometimes they are professional games, which, you know, these players are being paid. Sometimes it's college games. And in the college, uh, uh, with the college games, the players aren't being paid, but the coaches certainly are. And then you have people that are involved in concessions, taking tickets and so forth. So there's, there's, there's financial transactions taking place and so forth. So is, is there a problem with someone uh, with these football games on Saturday? On the Sabbath. Well, let's let's look at that. Genesis chapter two, 
because that's what the uh, Sabbath they actually established, okay? Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, it says, And on the seventh day God ended all his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work from all his work which he had made. Verse three. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. So part of the ordinances of the Sabbath day is that we have to cease from working. And we go into Exodus chapter twenty and other verses and chapters the three main things is you can't work, you can't buy and sell, and you can't cook, and it's a, a day of rest. Okay? Now, on that day, we come together uh, like they did in the synagogues and in the temple in those times and even now to uh, honor and worship the Heavenly Father. But as far as serve our work, your, uh, your six days of work that you normally do, we don't get into any of that. And whether that's you know, if, if if you have a game on Saturday and things like that, we have to weigh all of those activities against the, the scriptures and ask yourself, okay, if this is a day of rest, is that something that I could get into? Can I can I have myself in employment on those days when the scripture says uh, we're not supposed to work and it's a day of rest? Mm-hmm. So that that's what we're supposed to measure. Against whether we anything that we do as far as in relation to the Sabbath day is look at the ordinances and if they are not in a not in conflict with those ordinances then you don't have an issue but if they are in conflict with those ordinances then you know you got to conform yourself to what the scripture says so God rested from all His works that's what we need to do Christ said He's the Lord of the Sabbath day. And Christ rested from rest on the Sabbath day also and kept it holy. That's what we should do. So that's that's all I can tell a person. Okay, so I, I imagine there's probably a few people sitting around watching the game right now. It's probably wiping their brow and going, Phew, man, that was a close one. <laughs> that was gonna be a problem with this Sunday football. But we do understand there is a problem with working on the seventh day of the week, which is commonly called Saturday. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to num- number three. Did you have something else, brother? Yeah, no, no. That was it. The <clears throat> Saturday is the seventh day of the week. Sunday is the first day of the week. Just open up a dictionary and look up the word Sunday. It'll tell you the first day of the week. Okay. Thank you. So let's go ahead and move on to number three, which is also a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, they're saying that uh, the seven things you love that are banned in the Bible, that T-shirts is among that. So let's listen to what they have to say about T-shirts. Uh, number three, T-shirts also very popular. Thankfully, we're not we're not wearing any T-shirts. But again, Leviticus: Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. Uh, so now, granted, there are some T-shirts that might be 100% cotton. I suppose you're yeah. okay with that. But they'll but, shrink. Nobody really buys those anyway. Exactly. You want some sort of blend. Uh, and so that includes so many suits and all different types of clothing and everything. Uh, yeah, not allowed to. So all those people that are, like, out protesting against gay marriage and stuff, I want to go up and I want to check their tags. What do you got under there? <laughs> and by the way, I've always thought it was weird that this is one of the ones. Like, what does God care about the, if, you're too if you have two materials? So, yeah, so I did a little bit of research, and understand this is just one church's website, but the church's website was like, all this stuff about bacon and about the shirts, 
it's not that bacon's bad or that the two clo- the cloths are bad. It's mm-hmm. that God wants you to know that some things are good and some things are bad, and so He's set up like guidelines. I'm like, so you're just telling me you got no no reason, just arbitrary. Okay. Now there might be a better explanation, and if you know of one and you're religious, feel free to correct me by posting a comment. I'm just saying that's the research I did. Okay. So they clarified it. It's not so much that it's T-shirts per se, but it's T-shirts that have uh, that are made of more than one material, like uh, cotton and polyester. And, and in fact, it's not just T-shirts, but it's any clothing that where the clothing is made of more than one one material. So uh, Kabar. Uh, please help me understand, you know, is this something that is, is in the scriptures? And if it is in the scriptures, is this possibly the, the, the first thing or the only thing that has possibly become outdated? Well, no, it's not outdated, but let's find it. It's in uh, Deuteronomy. Help, help me out, brother. Well, they, they referenced uh, Leviticus 19 and 19. Oh, that's the one they went to? Okay. Right. Uh-huh. It, it, it's also mentioned in Deuteronomy also, but we can go to Leviticus 19. Mm-hmm. I get Deuteronomy. Which, which, which one of Deuteronomy? 22 and 11. Yeah, okay. Oh, I, I read this one in Deuteronomy and Leviticus first. It says, Ye shall, ye shall keep my statute. Uh, thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with a diverse kind. Thou shalt not Sow thy fields with mingled seed, neither shall a garment mingle of linen and woolen come come upon thee. So it's, it's the most I was telling you about, okay, you're not, there's, there's, we're not mixing a whole bunch of things together, all right? You're not going to, like like today, uh, they have something called, uh, uh, what's it? they mix a lion and a tiger together, okay? A liger. A liger, all right? Mm-hmm. So you... You're mixing two different kind of animals together that normally wouldn't mix, okay? But mankind goes and start this interbreeding, just like they're doing with GMO. GMO is doing the same thing as mingling the genes of one thing, one species and another species. We wasn't supposed to do that. Nor was you supposed to sow a seed of cucumbers here and a seed of uh, cabbage, you know, or, 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 or cotton. In the same in the same field in the same row, so on and so forth. So these things are separated. And Lord was telling, showing us how to do things decently and in order. And when it came to garments, you remember back then people did not go to Target and buy a shirt. Okay, you had to make uh, from the from the fibers. You had to make um, material, and from that material you made clothing. So you you were the one who was uh, spinning all of these these fibers in order to make the material. So you wouldn't when you were spinning those fibers, you wouldn't mingle cotton and some other uh, wool and woolen or, or linen linen fibers or woolen fibers. You wouldn't do that. So it just shows you the most I made a distinction between the two. When you go to Deuteronomy, we, let's read it there and see that perspective. Eleven to twenty-two. I mean, excuse me, Deuteronomy 22 and 11. It says, Thou shalt not wear a garment of diverse sorts as of woolen woolen and linen together. So it's giving you an example. It says, Thou shalt make thee fringes upon the four quarters of thy vestures wherewith thou covers thyself. So that that goes, not only are we not supposed to mingle mingle the garments that we are wearing, but on our garments we're supposed to put fringes. 
Now, the thing is, you know, the Most High is doing all of these things for us to remember him and his ordinances and that we live, you know, lives that are decent and in order. So that's why he told us not to mingle our garments, and he gave us their fringes so that we'll be reminded of his commandments. So, you know, that's what's actually written in the scriptures. May I take that one step further, please, brother? How about you? Did you have anything? Nope, not at all. I want. I would like to take that one step further. When you get to the book of Matthew, chapter twenty-three, just look at what Christ says. Matthew twenty-three and verse five. I'll start at verse. Uh, I'll start at verse three. I apologize. I'll start at verse two. Excuse me. Twenty-three and one. This brings <laughs> Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, "The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat." All therefore whatsoever ye they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and, and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. So you here here again you have Christ making reference to clothing and how the, 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 the religious or spiritual leaders of our people with their clothing were showing off, basically stating that, yes, I'm a man of righteousness. I keep the law. I keep the law. I keep the law. But Christ was showing the hypocrisy of the religious leaders of that time and how they claim through their garments, their outer appearance, that they keep the law. But yet, internally, they are full of wickedness, which you can read about now in verses uh, 25 and 26, where he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. So as far as in reference to clothes, yes, the law still stands steadfast on our garments and how we're supposed to wear our garments. But the edification, the understanding is if you wear your garments the way they're supposed to be, but internally you are full of wickedness and lasciviousness and fornication and idolatry and adultery and, and, and covetous thoughts and murderous thoughts, then you got you just got that garment on for for a show. First, repent, and that's what this whole show is all about: repentance and giving the edification of how we're supposed to serve the Lord. First, repent and make sure that that which is that which is within you is according to thus saith the Lord out of the scriptures internally, and then it will be seen externally through. Your garments, through how you wear your clothes, through how you govern yourself, through how you carry yourself, through how you interact with other people, through how you treat people. That's all I have with that. All right. Anybody else have anything else on uh, the whole thing about the T-shirts? Nope. Okay. Uh, so this next one, um, gossip. Uh, to me, it always sounded kind of bad, but for some folks, it's like juicy gossip is, is a good thing. So let's see what they have to say about gossip. Uh, so also, and, and by the way, when you go in the comments, don't talk shit about people because gossip will send you to hell as well. 
<laughs> Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, although I guess it wouldn't be in secret. you got to put your actual name. Uh, I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. Uh, I check her from time to time. Her eyes, uh, not quite haughty. She's doing okay. You guys tell me, haughty or not. <laughs> we should start up haughtyornot.com. we got to save some people's souls. And someone's like, you're like, ah, go to hell. You can tell by yeah, the don't eyes. Don't gossip. Just not, even if it's not in the Bible, just be nice. I don't understand. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say it. You could have just said yeah. that. Yeah, just say nice stuff about us, about our personal appearance. Yeah. So, Abadja, they were basing that on uh, this whole thing about gossip on Psalms 101 and uh, 5, chapter 101, right. verse 5. Uh-huh. Um, so does, does that indicate that uh, you, you, know, you can't say anything bad about other folks? Well, let's read Psalms 101 and 5. Okay. Now, apparently they, were reading, they uh, weren't reading from the uh, King James Version, which is why, you know, it seems it's kind of <clears throat> it seems vastly different from what we're getting ready to read here. Uh, okay. Psalms 101 and 5. It says, Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will I not suffer. So let's look at that. Where did that come from? Was that something that was just randomly pulled from the scriptures about so, you know, because it's talking about slander, okay? When you look at slander, that's basically you telling something that's not true about someone. But let's go back, you know, go a little bit step further here. I want to go to Leviticus 19, okay? And I'm going to start 19, verse 16, because this isn't just, just like a random scripture, you know, in the Bible, like, hey, you can't slander your neighbor or whatever. All right, okay. Leviticus 19 and 16, it says, Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor, I am the Lord. So what we're dealing with is is a commandment of how the Lord told us that we're supposed to conduct ourselves. Because when you start tailbearing or slandering someone, then now you're bearing false witness against your, your neighbor. But now I'm going to look at this in the context because let's read verse 17. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. So the whole thing about bearing hatred in our heart, a person that goes up and down slandering or, or tail-bearing or telling lies about someone like that, the scriptures are showing us that that is hatred, okay? And I'm going to read verse 18. It says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. So that whole thing about love thy neighbor as thyself, even though that wasn't one of the Ten Commandments, our Lord told us when you read about it in the New Testament that that was one of the things about on this, on these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. So, mm-hmm. in short, the way that we want to be treated, okay, that's the way that we're supposed to treat other people. But it's according to the commandments. It's not like, you know what, well, I want somebody to, to whoop me with a belt, so I'm going to whoop somebody. I want somebody to knock me upside the head, so I'm going to knock them upside the head. That's foolish. But the Lord told us that, listen, we're not supposed to you know, go up and down as a talebearer or slander each other like that because that's evil and that's wicked. Why? Because those things cause contention. They cause strivings. They cause people to fight. And when people fight, sometimes people die. Okay? So this is the wisdom of the scriptures coming forth to show us how to even prevent those things from getting to that point or even stopping things from escalating. Because it's another scripture in Proverbs that basically tells you to cast out the scorner and contention will cease. Okay, because that's what they did to our Lord when they were uh, uh, scorning, 
okay, or uh, what's the word, being a tail bearer in a sense. Uh, not even that, but um, what's the word that they use in the in the, uh, in the verse? Slander. When he went to um, raise up the young the young girl, and it was like they went to the house, and they were like, "Oh, well, she's dead." He's like, "No, she's asleep." And the people began to scorn him, laugh him to scorn, basically talking trash. Mm-hmm. So it was like, "No, you're not supposed to do those things." So that was it. Okay. All right. So, uh, Kabar, did you have anything that you want to add to that? Yeah, just a few other points as far as going into slander, uh, gossip, evil speaking, things like that. I just said a few verses. Ephesians 4.25, it says, Wherefore, putting away lying, right, gossip, things like that, speaking things you don't know, speaking things that aren't true. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. What's the truth? What's Jesus Christ is the truth. The commandments of the Most High, that's true. It says, for we are members one of another. So we, we, we're not even supposed to get into uh, gossip and guile because we're supposed to be speaking truth to every man to his neighbor. So that, that confines your speech to a certain realm. First Peter chapter 4, verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. The oracles of God is going into the commandments. One of the commandments of God was to hear his son Christ. So not only supposed to be speaking according to the commandments, according to the wisdom of Christ. So if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. All right? Another scripture tells you that uh, whatever you do in word and deed, right, do all in the name of Jesus Christ, that the Most High may be glorified. So, we're not going to be speaking guile and speaking uh, rumors and gossip and say that's in the name of Christ. So it shows you how our speech is confined to things that are scriptural and that are right, that are wholesome. And last but not least, First Peter chapter 2, verse 22, talking about Jesus Christ, who did no sin, neither was guile, meaning crafty, evil speaking, neither was guile found in his mouth. So we're supposed to be following ultimately the example of Christ. Christ didn't gossip. Christ didn't spread rumors and do anything like that. He spoke the truth as we just read in the other scriptures, according to the commandments of the Lord, and so should we. All right. Well, thank you for that, brothers. It, oh, you know, sorry, I remember. I'm sorry. Sure. I'm sorry, you sorry. Just, just one more thing is that when you go mm-hmm. into, uh, you know, when it talks about that whole thing about doing it, um, that slandering privily and all of that, the, the scriptures call that evil surmising. Okay, well, basically now I'm concocting in my mind uh, something that someone is doing that they're actually not doing. Okay, okay. and basically it's going, having us going into all types of places where we don't need to go into. Because, you know, a lot of times that can happen where you have a situation where some type of conflict may arise between two individuals. And one person, instead of, you know, actually going and speak to that other person, they're going to sit back and concoct in their mind what they think had happened you know, based on their perception, rather than applying, you know, Matthew the 18th chapter. It's like, listen, if you have an offense, go talk to that person and work that out. Don't go to what the scriptures call, go into what the scriptures call evil surmising. Okay, as it states in First uh, Timothy chapter six and verse four. Well, now we've concocted up a whole story and a whole reason behind what this person did, what they did, rather than going and talk, and, and furthermore, going and spreading that around rather than going to that individual and talking to them and resolving the issue. Okay. To make sure we didn't skip that point. All right. Excellent point to bring out, brother. Uh, so want to uh, go ahead and move on. Uh, when I was a kid, um, 
I would see uh, men walk around. They would have these tattoos on, and uh, I think one of them was like a, uh, a anchor, a ship's anchor. And uh, then sometimes, and I think in Cracker Jacks, you would get these uh, little tattoo stickers and so forth. So I used to always love playing with those. But now on in this thing, uh, the seven things you love that are banned in the Bible, tattoos is one. So let's see what they have to say about tattoos. Tattoos also, we're not going to show them on air, okay? we got standards, but tattoos, <laughs> do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourself. Mm-hmm. I am the Lord. Um, yeah. I'm glad that he ended it that way because otherwise I'm going to be like, who the hell is telling me not to wear? Oh, it's the Lord. Okay. Well, yeah, a lot of the things is like your body's a temple and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. God wants you to, you know, treat your body well. And like we do, that's why he like says like, don't put this like shit in your body and like yeah. don't put it on it and stuff like that. So it makes sense to me. Yeah. I don't know. It works hard on your body. What seems ironic to me is that your body is supposed to be a temple. I get that. They say that. John Mayer says that. I get that. But like <laughs> they decorate. Oh, whoops. I get mixed up. They decorate <laughs> the outside of temples. What about churches? So if I would, like, gouge my body with, like, stained glass, would that be okay as a decoration? Because I'm treating it as a temple. <laughs> okay, but before we get into the whole thing about tattoos, I want to play this clip again to a certain point, and then I want to ask you, brothers, a question that doesn't really have anything to do with tattoos. Uh, so also, and, and by the way, when you go in the comments, don't talk shit. Okay, so the tattoo clip won't play again. <laughs> tattoos okay, also, we're not going to show them on air, okay? we got standards, but tattoos, <laughs> do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo uh, marks on yourself. Mm-hmm. I am the Lord. Um, yeah. I'm glad. Right there. Um, where he says, I am the Lord. And then he goes on to say, I'm really glad that he said uh, who it was because now I know who's saying it or something like that. Let, let me play it again. See if I can get it to play. Uh. Tattoos also, we're not going to show them on air, okay? we got standards, but tattoos, <laughs> do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourself. Mm-hmm. I am the Lord. Um, yeah. I'm glad that he ended it that way because otherwise I'm going to be like, who the hell is telling me not to wear? Oh, it's the Lord. Okay. Well, yeah, a lot of Okay. So he goes on to say, who in the hell is telling me that? Oh, it's, oh, it's the Lord. Okay. Is, is that blasphemy? Wow. Somebody take it. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we're dealing with the, the fact that he's, he's saying, you know, it's about the you know who's saying it? The Lord, the authority of the Lord. Right. I, I'll play it again. <laughs> tattoos. Also, we're not going to show them on air. Okay, we got standards. But tattoos. <laughs> do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo uh, marks on yourself. Mm-hmm. I am the Lord. Um, yeah. I'm glad that he ended it that way because otherwise I'm going to be like, who the hell is telling me not to wear? Oh, it's the Lord. Okay. Well, so yeah, a lot of the things is like your body's a temple and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. God wants you to, you know, treat your body well. Okay. So you, you brother get the gist of what he's saying there? Mm-hmm. Basically, he's clowning. <laughs> he's, he's making okay. light of the situation. Okay. It's like, you know, well, who the hell is telling me? But, oh, it's the Lord. Okay, all right. And uh, I guess I'll have to follow it. But he's reading out of Leviticus, the 19th chapter, in verse, in verse 28, where it says, You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. 
and you look at, you know, the, the things that a lot of the, the other nations were doing uh, when we were being brought into our land during this time, you know, because a lot of these things making cuttings in your flesh for your for the dead and printing marks upon you, a lot of those things were done in, like, people, they honor their ancestors or we honor dead relatives or children or something like that. We have tribal markings and all of that. Those are things that the Lord instructed us not to deal with because he basically said that all of the honor is supposed to go to him, not to our ancestors in that sense. Okay, we were supposed to honor our father and mother because they were supposed to be establishing the commandments of the Lord in the household. But the whole thing where we're giving our ancestors preeminence over God's commandments, okay, we're giving our fathers and mothers preeminence over the word of the Lord, then that was completely out of order. So we weren't supposed to be, you know, so, be printing tattoos and marks and stuff on our bodies. So what, what if you just tattoo God on, on your body? No. He says, don't print any marks upon your body. So it was like, no, <laughs> you don't, we don't put tattoos on our bodies. No. Okay. And so, and if, go ahead. So there's no way anybody can kind of stretch that and say, okay, well, I'm just, it was just a God tattoo, you know, um, no. and, and then that'd be okay. Like no marks, no marks at all. And as a matter of fact, you know, you're saying that, but you got to understand uh, that was one of the one of the reasons why people printed marks of themselves in honor to their so-called gods or idols. That was uh-huh. another thing that they did to honor, you know, that idol, so on and so forth. But you got to understand when the Most High separated the nation of Israel, He gave us the guidelines and told us and made a distinction. Listen. These people uh, worship their gods and do this in honor to them, but you should you will not be like them. You will not, you know, take on those practices. And he gave us the guidelines of how to honor him. And one of them was, unlike the nations that did print marks on themselves for the dead and for their idols, you should not do so. To honor me, you do not print marks on your body, but you rather keep my commandments. And also bringing it up into the new covenant under Christ, 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, it tells us, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Holy Ghost, meaning the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Because remember, it was never about God dwelling in a physical temple built by the hands of man, but rather in us ourselves, we are housing the spirit of the Heavenly Father. We are that temple now through repentance in Christ and his sacrifice. We're that temple. So just like mm-hmm. in the, that physical temple had to be kept holy and certain sacrifices and and rites had to be kept in order to, to sanctify that, now all of that goes into keeping ourselves clean, our minds and our actions clean and right according to the scriptures. But First Corinthians 6 goes on to say in verse 20, for ye are bought with a price, the sacrifice of Christ and his blood. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, what? Which are God, meaning just like it said, you are not your own. So what that ultimately is going into is it's not even your body for you to be printing marks on. So for all intents and purposes, you're defaming uh, property that belongs to somebody else. And that property okay. is our body. That property is our body, and it belongs to the most side through Christ. That's the point. Okay. And I, I got right, just well, one more thing, Josiah, because I know we're sure really getting kind of short on time um, before they go into the next one. But I want to read First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 3. 
because, you know, a lot of the things that these two are dealing with, you know, whether it be in their ignorance, uh, we understand that it's satire, uh, you know, but it's just one of those things where people like to strive, and, and this is what this is what they're doing is going into. Uh, this is First Timothy chapter six verse three, because unfortunately, you know, some of the things that they're bringing out, you know, people actually adhere to those things with no understanding and no reasoning, and and furthermore, taken out of context when they try to pull it or justify it out of the scriptures. First Timothy six and three, it says, if any man teach otherwise. And consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. Because understand something, people will sit back and say, well, you're picking and choosing. Oh, well, that was done away with in the Old Testament. But, again, the New Testament wasn't written when these things, when these events were going on. And everything that the apostles were teaching out of, everything that our Lord Jesus Christ was teaching out of, was out of the Old Testament. The only difference is that now, instead of the temple being the way of salvation, the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ as he sits at the right hand of the Father is now the way that we receive repentance. That's how we're going to make it to the kingdom. And that's the doctrine that they're dealing with, not the so-called modern-day Christianity and the different dogmas that people are ascribing to, whether they call themselves a Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, or whatever denomination they want to put on it. Okay, it has nothing to do with that Because even going back to Like the whole thing dealing with the Sabbath day You have certain Christians that say Well, you know what uh, Since our Lord rose on the Sabbath That's the day that we're supposed to gather You look in the scriptures It says that the disciples at Berea They gathered daily to search the scriptures So it had nothing to do with what day they gathered on But they still kept the Sabbath day Because the laws weren't done away with And we'll get into that a little bit further But that's why it says even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ And to the doctrine which is according to godliness Because they dealt with the commandments Not some new form of doctrine But people that do deal with that It tells us about those people in verse 4 It says he is proud Knowing nothing But doting about questions And strifes of words Whereof cometh envy, strifes, railings Evil surmisings Perverse disputing of, disputings of men Of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. So people are going to come up with all forms of doctrine that they say is based in the Bible, where you had the prosperity doctrine with Creflo and uh, what's the other uh, white guy in Texas, the big uh, big guy that's in Texas. Um, I can't call his name right now. I'm looking right. Oh, the nice guy. Yeah. yeah, the nice guy. <laughs> So, you, I mean, you have all of these different so-called doctrines and denominations and philosophies about the Bible, okay? But when you go back and you read and you deal with these things in the context and the spirit of Christ, they were always dealing with repentance through Jesus Christ. They were always dealing with the commandments of God, and they did it with understanding in this foolishness that these people are dealing with, whether it be in their ignorance or on purpose or through their disdain for the word of God. It doesn't matter. So back to you, bro. Okay, got uh, quite a bit more to go through here. Um, so let's go ahead and move on. Uh, this one is surprising, comedians. Comedians also not allowed, so stop with the jokes. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. The Ephesians said that. So uh, some jokes might be okay as long as it's not foolish. Yeah. So I think we're going to hell right. as long as it's not coarse. 
So I think we're going to hell. Damn it. Uh, I really like Louis C.K., but he is going to burn. Well, at least we'll be there with him. Yeah, that's true. And that boy... will <laughs> be a part take. That boy loves bacon, by the way, too. <laughs> Louis C.K. loves his bacon. Okay, so they're referring to Ephesians 5 and 4 there. Uh, are jokes sinful? Are comedians sinful, brothers? Kabar. No. <laughs> no, jokes. Jokes aren't sinful. I mean, um... When you go when you go into that verse, they're reading out of Ephesians chapter five, but let's read it in context instead of taking it out of context that they did. Let's read the whole thing in context. So okay. Ephesians chapter five, verse three, four, and five. <laughs> so it says, "But fornication and uncleanness and covetousness let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthy filthiness nor foolish talking." nor jesting, which are not convenient, meaning not proper, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetousness, who is a, nor covetous man who is an idolater, have any inheritance in the kingdom of God. So let's just go back up to the point. So it's, it's showing you uh, wicked, evil, um, um, whether it be sexual acts, Unclean thoughts, things like that, we're not supposed to get into any of that. So in verse 4, when it says neither filthiness, all right, that's going into physical and spiritual. Nor foolish talking, meaning things that don't bring forth edification, okay? It says nor jesting, and it, and it, and it qualifies it, nor jesting which are not convenient, not proper, okay? Jesting mm-hmm. comes from the word, jesting comes from the word jester. And in medieval times, and even earlier in that, in, in ancient times, you had a jester or what they call a fool in the king's court. And uh-huh. this is a person. This is a person that will perform or illustrate obscene and vulgar things. Okay, whether it be simulating a sexual act or whether it be simulating some other uh, uh, unseemly thing that not, is not supposed to be done in in public. You had a fool that would that would do these types of things. So that's why I was talking about jesting, which are not convenient. Mean that word convenient there means proper or right. So when you go into that jesting, is going into things that are not proper and right. And when you, when you understand what a jester was or what his role would be in medieval times and even in ancient times, he would go into vulgar and obscene acts and words in order to. Uh, make make the uh, the ruler laugh, or to enter, entertain his court or his noblemen and things like that. We're not supposed to do that. But you know, when it's talking about things like uh, using sarcasm in order to illustrate a point, it may be funny, but uh, you you know you you're you're actually using it in order to to make a point, so on and so forth. Or like the like even in the scripture talk about it compares our people to a to an ox or an ass, and it says, look, they they know who their masters are, but our people don't. You know what I mean? So you could look at that, and that'd be quite funny. But it's actually bringing out edification and things like that. But we're not supposed to go into vulgar and obscene things. That's what the scripture is telling us not to do because it's not convenient, meaning it's not proper and right. That's all it's talking about. Okay. Um, Abaji, would you like to weigh in on this? 
the comedian. Well, in essence, in essence, what they're doing is going into foolish jesting. It's like, uh, who, who's hell? Who told who told me this? I can't get tattoos. Oh, it's Jesus. Okay, oh, it's God. Okay, no, I, I guess I'll. It, it's okay then. That's the type of foolish jesting that it's talking about. Okay. <laughs> well, you speaking, you speaking against the word of the, of the heavenly Father. Okay. What about you, Kazaki? You want to weigh in on this? No, I'm pretty good. Uh, uh, the, the brothers already covered it very extensively. What jesting is, foolish jesting, and uh, and I, I've got nothing more to nothing more to add to it. Yeah, and okay. Sorry, that, that's actually kind of closely tied to the whole thing about um, going up and down as a tail bearer, too. You know, where like a, a prime example of that is what uh, you know for any people that have seen like the Nutty Professor, where I think it was Eddie Griffin was a comedian and he just rode that the uh, Mr. Clumps. So the wheels fell mm-hmm. off, you know, mm-hmm. where you mm-hmm. going into, you know, foolish jesting where now, again, you're creating strife uh, or you're uh, laughing someone to scorn or even going as far as blaspheming against the word of God, okay, through your own, you know, through your own foolish reasoning and not, and not being able to be justified according to the scriptures. Okay. Gotcha. So, um you know, we all had to get here by being born, and we had to be conceived. And in order to be conceived, uh, this next one, uh, they're saying that this is banned from the Bible, sex. Let's hear what they have to say. Uh, and then finally, uh, sex. It is also banned by the Bible, or at least strongly encouraged that you do not engage in it. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, says the Corinthians. Well, just call me John Goodman. <laughs> Totally fine and cool not to have sex, and thus, yeah. on the opposite end, if you do want to have sexual relations, maybe not so good. So maybe think about that so, before you start So voting. let me get this straight. It's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but we have to procreate with a man and a woman. Yes. Right? So it's, uh, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Is it good for a man to have sexual relations with a man? They didn't specify, mm-hmm. so I'm going to say yes. Yes. But, you, but if you have sex with him, you can't first wrap him in bacon. That would be <laughs> wrong uh, and awesome. Okay, Kazakia. <laughs> they were no, for real. First Corinthians <laughs> chapter seven verse verse one. Okay? And it's mm-hmm. this it's good for a man not to have sex with a woman is what they say and I think in the King James Version it reads a little different, but basically the same point. Now, considering the fact that we cannot get here, we can't even be born, we can't be conceived unless there's some sex taking place. Uh, you know, Adam and Eve had children. So there's got to be something amiss here with them bringing this out. Something's missing. Shed a shed some light on this, Kazakia. Uh I'm going to go back to the scripture that I read at the onset of the show. This is Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, <laughs> get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. So you said it, and you said it perfectly. He says something is amiss here. What's missing is the understanding. That's what's missing. So now let's look let's look at first Corinthians. Let's start at chapter seven and let's start at verse one. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, so in other words, this is Paul responding to a letter uh written by the members of the church of Corinth. Alright? So we read it in context. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, 
to avoid fornication. So that is the subject heading of the letter that Paul was responding to the uh, Church of Corinth with. That was the subject. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. So for them to make the statement that sex is banned in the Bible, they are absolutely 125 or one quarter percent wrong. What's banned <laughs> in the Bible is fornication. What's banned in the Bible is lasciviousness. That's banned in the Bible. What's banned in the Bible is adultery, not sex. Hold on. Wait a minute. Hebrew 13 and verse 4. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. So marriage, when two people, let's be very specific, when a man and a woman come together, both repenting in the, in the spirit of Christ, and they come together to form that perfect union, that is the confines under which sex is supposed to happen. Anything outside of that is fornication or adultery. So sex is promoted in the Bible, but it's promoted under the confines or within the confines of marriage. Here again, marriage is honorable in all. So it is an honorable thing. It is a beautiful thing for a man to be married to his wife or for a husband, for a husband and wife union in the spirit of Christ. That's a beautiful thing. There is nothing in the scriptures that condemns that or prohibits that. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. In other words, those persons that are out there just having sex, casual sex, you know, not even trying to uh, repent and, and, and come together in that perfect union and bring forth children and teaching them in the spirit of Christ and the fear of the Lord, that, no, that's where it's not bad, and it's, that's where it is bad, excuse me, and that's what the scripture says, that God will judge that because that's not a righteous union. That's not a holy union. So now let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and every woman have her own husband. So in other words, to avoid going out there and having and, 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 and engaging in sexual activity and you and you're not uh-huh. and it's not sanctified or established on the heavenly father, uh-huh. let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. So get married, but make sure that your marriage, the foundation of your marriage is established in Jesus Christ. Because if you call yourself coming together, getting married and, and Christ is not the foundation of that marriage for both the man and the woman, you still don't have much of anything. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband, hath not power of his own body, but the wife. You fraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. But I speak this by permission 
and not of commandment. So guess what? Paul and the Spirit of Christ were speaking and giving edification and understanding what these things. Paul wasn't saying, okay, you cannot have sex. Paul and the Spirit of Christ was not saying that. Paul and the Spirit of Christ were saying, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. If y'all, if, if, if that's what's going on in the church in Corinth, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, to avoid bringing the commandments, to avoid, uh, to avoid being not, not entered in the kingdom of heaven because of fornication, better that you do come together and be married. That way, that sexual activity can, can be had within the proper confines. That way you can have that holy union. That's what Paul was stating on the spirit of Jesus Christ. Brothers, by all okay. means, please help me out. I want to touch on also another aspect that they mentioned because, you know, the the, the female in the clip very foolishly said, well, said, you know, uh, not to touch a woman, but, you know, what about a man? Can, can a man touch another man? It didn't say not to do that. So I want to touch on, on that aspect. Does the Bible speak about man being with man and is that a problem um i just go right to the book of romans all right because you know everybody want to ban everything in the so-called old testament even though there are no contradictions and christ comes in the volume of the book like he said but i'll just go right to romans chapter 1 verse 27 and let's look at uh men with men or women with women with this society calls homosexuality and lesbians lesbianism is that a problem according to the scriptures? Romans chapter 1, verse 27. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the, of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, okay, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. So the scripture in Romans is telling you that men with men, it's unseemly, and that it is an error because Leviticus 20.13 already commanded against it, and that God uh, judged those who went into that thing, and as I said, the recompense of the error, which is meat, meaning the judgment that God brings upon you is going to be proper and right. So it's not something that's supposed to be done. But not, uh, not only uh, is this judgment against men who... Uh, sleep with men, but also women with women, and the chapter covers all of those particular things. So, no, a man is not supposed to be with a man to lay with a, a man as he lays with a woman. That That's an abomination that it mentioned in Leviticus 20. It's also an abomination that is telling you in Romans, the first chapter. So it was a sin then, it's still a sin now, and we're not supposed to go into that. Okay, brothers. Well, that that brings us uh, right here at the end of this program. And uh, I, brothers, I really appreciate you for going through this whole list of seven things that they say you love that are banned from the Bible. Um, to expound on those through the scriptures and bring some clar- clar- clarity and uh, to edify our audience. But brothers, most of all, as you know, all things goes out to the Most High in the name of His Son Christ. So until next time, I'd like to say shalom. Shalom. Brothers and sisters, thank you for visiting with us in the virtual living room 
of the Body of Christ Church. You can visit our website at thebocc.com or you can email us at bodyofchrist at youreach.com or call us at 877-871-1712. Until our next visit, the Most High in the name of Christ bless you. Shalom. to shop today because a brand new Walmart Supercenter is now open in your area. Get low prices you can trust every day on all the groceries your family loves, like fresh produce and quality meats. Plus, save on prescriptions and over-the-counter medicines in our pharmacy. You'll also find great clothes, sporting goods, home essentials, and more. Come meet your new neighbors today at the brand new Walmart Supercenter on the corner of North Decatur Road and Church Street in Decatur. Save money, live better, Walmart. It's the greatest sale in history at Ashley Home Store. Shop early for Black Friday deals you won't find anywhere else. Save up to 50% on styles you'll love. Or shop our biggest doorbuster deals like fabulous beds, cozy sofas, and great recliners. Or get five years no interest, no money down, no minimum purchase on Black Friday deals starting at just $4.49. And don't forget about our unbelievable smart buys. Hurry in for Black Friday deals while supplies last. Only at Ashley Home Store. This is home. Offer subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payment required. See store for details. It's the greatest sale in history at Ashley Home Store. Shop early for Black Friday deals you won't find anywhere else. Save up to 50% on styles you'll love. Or shop our biggest doorbuster deals like fabulous beds, cozy sofas, and great recliners. Or get five years no interest, no money down, no minimum purchase on Black Friday deals starting at just $4.49. And don't forget about our unbelievable smart buys. Hurry in for Black Friday deals while supplies last. Only at Ashley Home Store. This is home. Offer subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payment required. See store for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.